It's Tennessee Titans talk. We're just a two-point favorite heading to Houston Sunday. Did it we surprise you that we weren't more than two points? No, not all, especially with Tannehill's status being up in the air. Because even with him being healthy pretty much all last week, we didn't score an offensive touchdown. We just hit a bunch of field goals. That was with the defense playing out of its mind. So then you go on the road with Tannehill, who was definitely hobbled when he came back into the game. We still don't have any weapons on offense outside of Henry. Houston, they've been bad, but they haven't been, like, getting blown out. Like, they keep it close, and then they fall off down the stretch, but it's not, like, wire to wire. They're just getting blown out, and they're a dumpster fire of a team that we can just walk over. True. We're going to talk a lot about that on this episode. Look at Houston. Uh, you look at that record, you don't think much. Uh, it's a bit of a spry team, and, we're, of course, we're going to get you caught up on all the injury stuff. Big fella, I know a few weeks ago when uh, the line against the Washington football team just disappeared, we found out later, I, I think that Vegas found out about Nate Davis. Do you think the close line against a, a pretty bad team do you think it's just Tannehill stuff what take did you have from that short of a line I think it's just looking at arguably two of the bottom offensive attacks in the NFL we both have a couple bright spots you know ours is Derrick Henry and theirs is Damian Pierce really is most of our off- offensive production we both have very weak spots on the offensive line and are getting blown up at times and like Landon said you know the Texans aren't getting blown out every week I said in a text earlier we're as close to 0 and 6 as we are to 5 and 1 or 4 and 2 it's just two teams that are just you know bottom of the barrel as far as offensive production find a way to stick around in games Landon get us up on Tannehill what's your best guess for him Sunday and the rest of the injuries for both teams well we're back in midseason form going back to last year because the injury report right now has 14 people on it so awesome that doesn't count all the guy all the stars that are on IR because Kyle Phillips just went on IR. Yeah, I mean, he was, he hasn't been playing the past couple weeks, so it's not like our passing game can get any worse. But looking at Tannehill, so it's listed as an ankle injury. From where we were in the stands, I thought it was a knee, which it's a good thing that it's an ankle since there's a lot less just like the tendons and all that stuff. I would lean towards him playing, but it would be a very conservative safe approach around him i mean maybe he was just just a little worried taking it easy but that great austin hooper catch that separate last field goal to put the game away when Tannehill scrambled and i put air quotes around that he looks really gimpy and slow and i would be worried about that if that's how he's feeling on sunday but i feel like a week off to rest and let it heal some get some painkillers in I think he'll play, but he probably won't look very good. Let's say we don't see Ryan Tannehill Sunday. How do you feel about this game? Do you think we can go to Houston? I know they've, they're have they not a good team, but they've been tricky for a few teams, to say the least. There is some talent there, some young talent. What do you think about that? And then... Atlanta makes a really good point about the knee. Besides, you know, the neck, back, head area, that that's the scariest uh, the most. So it feels weird to say, yeah, we're glad it's an ankle, but it is better ankle than knee. My playing career ended with an ankle, so I'm kind of bitter on this. I actually don't think we'll see Tannehill on Sunday. I think with the Chiefs, you know, it's hard to look a couple weeks ahead to, you know, future games. But I think the Texans are as easy as it gets for us through this whole season going forward. So I think we try out Malik Willis as our starter and Tannehill will be healthy enough to be the two but they don't want to press him into duty I think that's how they'll play it they'll play it safe with Tannehill and hope that Tannehill is back
back at full strength for Kansas City, where we could potentially get Traylon Burks back, Racy McMath back. And I think we might see Malik Willis gutted out against the Texans. So you're saying we might dress Tannehill, not play him unless we absolutely have to. That's what I think. Atlanta, that's an interesting thought. We beat the Colts for the second time this season. No one felt great about that. We didn't have an offensive touchdown. As time has gone on, I felt better about it because it could be worse. We could be the Colts. We did win that game, but we still only have a one and a half game lead on the Colts. The Colts have benched Matt Ryan for contractual reasons. I think, I honestly... Don't think they're that super excited about their third-string quarterback. I think that they're afraid that Matt Ryan's going to get hurt and they're going to owe him a, instead of half of his half of his contract next season, all of it. I think they are an absolute dumpster fire right now. <laughs> but all that being said, this is a game we need to win. I mean, although we got to go up there, or whatever, it would be great for Tannehill to get healthy a week. But I, I think all these games are still very important. I wouldn't say it's a must win with us sweeping the Colts and the rest of the division being so bad that we're shaping up to be in the front runner seat by default. But I mean, like you look at the rest of our schedule, Kansas City is going to be brutal. Green Bay isn't nearly as scary. Denver is very winnable. We'll be at that game. It's going to be like the Colts game, but even worse. I, th- I feel and like how so just, just two like as far as ugliness yeah just two pathetic offenses <laughs> back and forth and their ineffectiveness the only difference is we're better at n- not turning the ball over and that's because we just play it so safe yeah but, but I mean you put Malik Willis in there and I mean we could be a turnover machine so that's also the other the other side of the coin so the two Houston games are definitely the two spots we're looking at to get easy wins just push us even further ahead the rest of the division the two Jags games they've been in free fall but they're a little frisky I want to say it's this isn't a must win game but it's a game where if we win this you just feel a lot better about us getting to the postseason because now we've got an undefeated record in the division we've put a nice stable lead and this is a year where a nine can win the AFC South no problem <laughs> yeah that's true uh, but there's 11 games left so which means you know a game and a half can be caught up uh, quickly yeah. it just occurs to me that these games are not afterthoughts but Indy doesn't have the juice I mean they're tanking they're putting in Ellinger because on the like 0.1% chance that he's something they want to know that but their offense is going to be even worse because for all of Matt Ryan's faults he is an NFL veteran and even though he's been making some really bad decisions like that pick six was awful on all levels he's still better than making having Sam Ellinger start for the first time ever the Jags have lost five straight Houston is really bad I mean so it's like as long as just we don't get killed even more by injuries and just the bottom falls out we're just kind of the default four seed we in are the, the de facto winner but we gotta we've gotta stay yeah. healthy enough to win these games I, yeah, and, I agree and through, and through seven weeks and six games we still I we talked about this on Sunday we still don't have a win where you feel the slightest bit of confidence going forward no the only thing you feel good about is that we've been able to string together four of those wins but not one of those wins you don't we didn't leave feeling great about them <laughs> but big fella we did win them these other teams have floundered we have found a way to win albeit very ugly we did and that's and you know there is something to be said for that and that's a Mike Brable team finding ways to win and it comes from them <laughs> it comes from the most unlikely sources I mean who who thought we were going to see Andrew Adams to, with a pick six I mean especially after how he played last week but sure enough it happened it's crazy Landon if you would finish up the um, injury report for both teams all right so the rest of the 13 names on our injury <laughs> report Jeffrey Simmons is a DNP we were all super worried when he was down for several minutes but he walked off he came back in the game later off to finish 
to finish the fourth quarter. So he, sh- he should be good good to go on Sunday. There's taking it easy. Plus Wednesday is a rest day. Rashad Weaver popped up with a back injury. I don't remember him being injured at all on Sunday or last week. Then Nate Davis is a limited participant, which will be really huge. Hopefully he's trending towards playing. Dupree is limited, but he played all of Sunday and was a big factor on the defense. So he's good to go. And then Zach Cunningham is full participant. So he'll be in on Sunday, which is really encouraging because the defense is played really well. And even though he had a slow start, he's still better than Dylan Cole, who has played well in his absence. Then going over to the Texans, two of probably their three best players, Brandon Cooks and Jerry Hughes, are both DMPs. They're both being shopped around in trade reports, and it sounds like Brandon Cooks will be moved. So if that's so crazy remember. because Jerry Hughes, even at all, even at 34 years of age, he's he's been <laughs> the best even to player. Yeah, he's a really good pressure guy. Like he's not. He's had a good year. Yeah, he's not great against the run. He's not great at converting to sacks, but he's always been a good pressure guy. And he signed for like two million on the year, so isn't having to pay anything for him. Yeah, I get that, but I I think they should try to get better as a team. I, maybe Cooks, but I don't know. Like if he if well, someone is literally your deal. best player on that end, well, even then though, big fella, I know it's like you know bring him back. Pay, Make him whatever because I mean, what what kind of value are they really going to get? I, I don't know. It's the same thing with today. It's like the Bears went on Monday night. You know, they they trade Robert Quinn. It's like the message is sometimes I think you know worse. It's more detrimental than than the value is good. I, I just don't understand. This is football. This is like people have to be like brothers. You know, they're like warriors, and you're just going to make a decision like that for like a, a day three pick. I I don't know. I mean, I get I get where there's value, but literally somebody has to teach these young Texans how to play football. No, I agree, but you know, you look at it that you've got a Lovey Smith coach team where he didn't really have a lot of say over these players, and maybe, and they have a litany of picks after the Deshaun Watson trade. So, I mean, they've maybe they're just trying to just like we've talked about many years, just trying to to stockpile scratch off tickets, whether it's seventh round picks or whatever, and or maybe that's more ammo to pack. Well, he might up. get they might get a fifth for him. He's played really well, but even then, yeah. I might just for they already got a lot of picks. I, I might if he's gonna help that defensive line get better over the next literally three months, I don't know why you don't see the value. The guy is the 29th rated defensive end in football out of 112 people that have qualified to this point. No one is close to him on that defense. They've got a lot mm-hmm. of young guys with potential on the defensive line Rashim Green who uh, we all liked coming out years ago he's on this team some kind of second chance guys which is what they ought to be doing we don't want to get on the weeds on that but uh, this is going to be a sell team even the guys Peter the um, the safety from Baylor Derek Singley Jr. they've played they've not played well but you see potential in them I think they need to be all in on development as much as anything else so um, this is a team that's not very good on defense. And let's talk about that. We obviously, I'm glad that, that their pass rush on the left-hand side is not good because we talk about this every week. Daly and Brewer, God bless them. That, <laughs> that's the weakness of our team. We've avoided the worst, right? Because Landon said, we're so conservative. We don't make a lot of dumb mistakes. And the mistake was the difference last Sunday. So we talk a lot about how frustrated we get with our play calling. But I mean, you understand, we're just trying to one less mistake than the other team. Let's talk about their defense our offense. It's a matchup of garbage. <laughs> it is not pretty. Because you mentioned our left side, but Petit Freer, after he had a solid start, has not been good recently. I think part of that is not having Nate Davis. Right. It's made his flaws worse. 
But I saw yeah. a graph today about tackle win rates, and Dennis Daly is the worst pass blocker, like, by a mile. He gives up a pressure every eight snaps or something atrocious. And Petit Freer was, like, fifth, sixth worst. So three Yeah, as far as rating, Raidens, Daly, and Petit Freer have now, they're at the bottom of the league at their positions. They're within Ugh. just two or three slots. I yeah. mean, it's it's really obvious. So we can't say our whole offense is trash because, yeah, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Tannehill has looked okay. Henry definitely has looked okay. I know you can tell Henry, I hate to just come out and say this, has lost a step, but he's Don't still a top three running back that gets absolutely no time before he gets hit back there. But he's played gutsy, and I thought Robert Woods shown something last two games, and I forgot that Austin Hooper signed last offseason was on our team until he had a couple really good catches Sunday. Well, we signed him for $80 million. <laughs> Uh, some drunk dude in our section said, like, what, $80 million? And of course, Lana was like, one year for $6 million. Lana continue some, with the... Uh, interesting people in the crowd for oh, the yeah. Colts game. Yeah, it was a really weird Sunday. And uh, I want to tell, let's just talk about that. Before the pandemic, I always felt like our stadium was mostly like three quarters full. And if we're playing a big team, it was half full with the other team or three quarters or, uh, you know, a third full of the other team. I feel like there are more of our fans. I know the league and the team has changed some of the rules on being able to make it harder to get rid of your season tickets. But I think people are showing up and there are people who are wearing the right color of blue. But it was just a really weird low energy Sunday. And maybe yeah. is that that's the question. Is that just it? Because I guess there was not much to cheer about. Literally one play, the pick six. But it was so funny. We came down and everybody, I know, I hate to take it for granted to get to go to the games and that we won. But we were all kind of discussing that. And our friend Derry that f- literally flies in from Dallas, Texas just to come to these games. He's like, what are you guys talking about? It was a win. It's a fun. It's fun. We're all here. And it's kind of tough. Uh, but what, what do you guys think about that? Because I, I don't, I think there were 60 thousand other people that were there and happy to be there but sort of underwhelmed or sort of blah i feel like the whole day was a little underwhelming i mean of course you know we always have a blast tailgating but then as soon as we started to walk up to the stadium like you know it was the titans and oilers homecoming thing and Mm -hmm. they try to make it such an event and then it's just at halftime they trot a couple players on the field and it's yeah they don't nobody's paying attention there's no more fly right it's it's poorly done. It was a done. beautiful day. It was like second summer. There was so much potential oh. there, but it was just, it was an absolute noodle. Yeah, uh, I mean, nobody was excited. There wasn't a whole lot to get excited about on the field, unless you're looking for random fantasy plays to win a lineup for the third week in the year, like somebody. Um, Are you so you're yeah. you're gonna name drop fantasy, uh, John <laughs> Bigfell is frustratingly terrific at fantasy football. So he he wants everybody to know that he is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just underwhelming on the field. I mean, the best thing that I can say about it was bud dupree looked like back like he's back that's about it yeah it was it's definitely the most forgettable times game i've ever been to and i've gone to plenty of bad ones i went to a lot of the games in mariota's rookie year where they got blown out but at least something was happening and even when it was bad and you felt awful watching the game you at least there's something to watch this game it was just watch us run the same four run plays with henry behind an awful O-line, watch him get hit in the backfield over and over, watch Ryan Tannehill try to get over 150 yards passing, and watch the Colts self-destruct on offense. That was really it. When we say the pick six was the only play worth mentioning it, 
it really was. I mean, the second interception that David Long had, it wasn't even an exciting, huge play because Indy was outside of field goal range anyway. And Matt Ryan threw it right at him for no reason. Yeah, I mean, player of the game and player of the AFC player of the week actually was Randy Bullock. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about the game. Yeah, wow, that's and, amazing. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he did look good Sunday. Yeah, he sure did. It's just so interesting that 60,000 people were that tepid about a win. <laughs> it's just, it was a really weird day because it was beautiful and it was all that, but it was like, Beef too disappointed about a win, but it was just no energy. Well, I also think that's a testament to to the Titans. I mean, we have yeah. become accustomed to winning and women winning in dominating fashion um over the last couple of years. So, this is not our brand of football. I mean, tough gritty wins, yeah, that's our brand of football, but we're used to I mean, 2020 we were what, the number one scoring offense in the league. I think Tanny had what, 35 touchdowns? I mean, yeah, we were, yeah, yeah, the pandemic yeah, year, he was unbelievable. That was his yeah. best year. He's ever yeah, going to have. Yeah, but a whole lot has changed. And just the offense is so weak, especially with Henry having lost a step. It's really just when they did the introductions and Cody Hollister was introduced as a starter. Like <laughs> what I cause for some reason, I had forgotten how bad a receiver depth was right now. And that kind of sucked some of the energy I had for the game. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah, Cody Hollister <laughs> is the co-wide receiver, too, out there. So I literally awesome. go to bed thinking about our receiving core, and I'm just, bleh. Yeah, so you and I were talking, big fella. There is a very possible outcome that the Tines don't pass for 3,000 yards this season. Yeah, because, probable yeah, outcome. It, yeah, it wasn't until the end of the third quarter that we got over 100 yards. <laughs> and Burks is still going to be out, I think, the next two games. Kyle Phillips is now out four games. Racing McMath is in limbo. Burks can come back for the Chiefs game. Oh, good. But so I he mean, can come how, back for week nine. How many nine. times have we brought back a guy as soon as his IR window opens? Never, That's but you'd like to think a guy that went on IR for turf toe, you know, you'd like to think he's going to be ready to go. But yeah, we so could this, be very wrong. Yeah. So we're going to shape up to be a really interesting team by the season's end because we're going to be the four seed we'll be a division winner we might have a winning record we're going to have one of the worst offenses in, in the league that we're not going to have many right. encouraging wins but at the same time like we we're all know when you get to the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you get to the playoffs it's a new 60 minutes and that's all that matters well land let me tell you let me tell you this too not to put some fake optimism in in the show but um there are a lot of rumors out there about this trade deadline and things that could happen and I know a lot of people, the Bustin' with the Boys podcast, are convinced OBJ is coming here. I don't know what money we're going to use to to sign him, but... Yeah, we, we have, have 1.5 million. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hot garbage. Even, you know, with the crazy deal that Howie Roseman cooked up for Robert Quinn, we still could barely fit that contract. They're only paying 700 k which, highway robbery... I don't even understand how he pulled that off. But yeah, we don't have any money to sign anybody unless we cut Taylor Taylor Luan like right now because his cap number is $14 million. Dead cap is $1.7. So we'd probably equate that out to be, what, get $10 million back maybe? But I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Also, I don't know why OBJ... I don't know if cutting in. an injured player works that way. Yeah, well, you I, can't do it during you, the season. No, I think you can come to an injury settlement. But that would be, you know, I don't know what kind of guarantees. I think or I think they would just uh, defer somebody's income and and, and find the prorated money. That thing about the NFL is they really want them. They could find the money. Oh, for sure. Something yeah, like that. My question I mean, with yeah. OBJ is. Why would he want to come here? Like, I get, like, there's no one to steal volume from him. But we throw so little, and maybe that's because of the options we have. But, I mean, at this point in his career, like, he's won a ring. He's gotten paid. He wants to play for a good team. 
and to have like a, a mini redemption arc in the last month and then the playoffs and he gets paid next year. I'll why t- would he come here? I'll I mean, tell like, you why, Land. Because Yeah, if he was going to go play for a crap team, a crap offensive team, wouldn't he just go back to LA? Well, I think I think OBJ is way more of a drama queen than that. I think we all know that. So I think he wants to pick an AFC team so that he can potentially play the Rams in the Super Bowl if it ever got to that. I don't think they're headed that way, but well, maybe that's not, something There's not bad head. blood between the big fellow. They they have open conversation about him coming back, so... They did, um, but he he had a number, and they didn't. They balked at the number. So, I mean, I think there's part of that, and a guy like OBJ could take offense to that. Uh, listen, this is me reading tea leaves. I mean, you know... Yeah, I just feel like yeah. the Packers... I don't really think it's going to happen. I just feel like there are other options, like Landon said, unfortunately, and we have... Oh, for so sure. Anemic. Where I was going with that, too, is OBJ, I think... You know, obviously that's out there for the universe to figure out. I don't think it's realistic. But there are a lot of other names that I've seen floated around as potential trade targets like Chase Claypool or Jerry Judy. I don't know if I believe all that, but I mean, Jerry Judy, basically, I think he's on the hook for less than $2 million for the rest of this season and two two point seven next year. So if you had Jerry Judy for two years for $4 million bucks, I think they'd find a way to do that. And I think Claypool would probably be even less. Judy would cost too much. I'd rather just... Judy would cost so much, and I've never really been that big on him. Yeah, I would rather just wait and use that day two pick on a receiver coming out, because at least like there's the unknown upside. He's cheap, and we can get the exact person. Claypool, like he's definitely be a cheap option, and we could afford him, and he's talented. It's just, I mean, he's he just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have that mentality. He's so inconsistent. Like He's inconsistent. He's soft. Pittsburgh's either going to try to keep working on him, or he's going to go to Green Bay, I think. Maybe. Yeah, but for all this doom and gloom, at least on paper, this upcoming game should be a tiny bit easier, even though... Tannehill might not play. So Houston is dead last in rush defense DVOA. So they're worse than the NFL. Pretty much everyone that's played him played them has had an awesome game yeah. Derrick Henry has been really good even though we're giving him no help right and maybe this can be a get right game where he finally looks more like the old Henry even though the O-line will still be trying to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the hope because he, he's looked better as the season's gone on the further he's gotten away from that injury. And, yes, he's immediately having to wrestle somebody in the backfield. But, uh, right. yeah, big fella, I like the sound of that. So let's switch sides. Let's talk about their offense and our defense. We're getting some guys back. You mentioned that Dupree looked pretty good last Sunday. Mills has not been terrible. He's been mediocre without a lot of uh, a lot of help. The thing that scares me most is Damian Pierce has looked <laughs> pretty good the last few weeks. Tunsil is still a really, really good player. Their interior offensive line is not good, and they have basically no weapons on the outside. Are you guys worried at all about Damian Pierce, especially like Simmons is iffy to play or whatever? Do you guys worry about their run game? I think you have to worry about it. I mean, he's a young, emerging talent and a guy that can really do some damage. He's already gone off a couple times this year with over 100 yards. He's got 504 rushing yards, and he I don't think he was a starter week one, right? He didn't no, start. No, he had uh, Bur- Burkhead. Yeah, was they were giving him time. But Landon, um, Damian Pierce, by pro football focus standards, is the sixth out of 61 qualified running backs so far. Yeah, he's been really impressive. And I want to say that I'm worried about their run game. But so Brandon Cooks, if they don't trade him by Sunday, they probably could play him at the same time. If they're really dead set on trading him, would they really... Why would they risk playing Cooks, him getting hurt, and then losing that trade value? Because he could probably get a third rounder. Because you mm-hmm. look at 
because some of these teams they're trying to contend the playoffs and offenses are so bad and so desperate for talent like he's being held back by the offense around him in houston okay and then nico collins who's their second guy he right. was a dmp today he's also injured mm-hmm. and it sounded like he might miss this game with a groin injury so it's just they're gonna Davis. be really short-handed though it's just kind of hard to imagine them uh really kind of like us like pushing the ball down the field like that it's gonna be pierce or nothing it's- it's the same, yeah. It's the same philosophy as what we'll be doing, which is just just put all the offense on a running back's shoulders, ask him to make something happen. Except while Houston is dead last in run defense, we're third best. And even if Simmons is out, getting back Zach Cunningham will be big. Just yeah, getting healthier on the defensive front. So we're roughly the same offensively in general, but they have a better offensive line, but we have a far, far, far superior defense. And so yeah. I don't really think I'm worried. The only thing I be worried about is if Tannehill is gimpy or if yeah. Willis is in and we have some turnovers like the Texans game we lost last year where yeah. the defense played amazingly but we just mm-hmm. had so many turnovers and mistakes that we let them seal a win. I, I just feel like we won't do the turnover thing big fella we'll just play super conservative like we have all season right and that gives me hope and also even if Simmons isn't 100% or doesn't play Tierra Tart and Darnell Archery have played so well so well this season and have been out there it's just you know those are guys that almost anybody could have had that keeps me from absolutely being terrified to be without Simmons for any amount of time. Yeah, no, if we lose Simmons, I, I think we can weather the storm. And obviously, it'd be only a short, a short-term injury. It's not something that we're right. looking in multiple weeks. Um, yeah, because when he was so down it, the field, yeah. I was just seeing our whole oh, thing. I, I was terrified. And then he I got up and Simmons. kind of jogged off. I was so so happy. I wear a Simmons jersey every week, and it's my luck, good luck charm. I was ready to throw the damn thing off uh, off of our uh, out of our stadium, <laughs> but because uh, I w- I would have been just hard out of my chest over like and blah. So thankfully, we avoided that. But yeah, I mean, if if there is any week to miss Simmons, it'd probably be this week, and, and get him back, you know, in the right frame of mind for Kansas City the following, especially with Kansas City having a bye this week and prepping yeah. having two weeks of prep for us i don't think kansas city that. needs a buy they should just let no. play an 18th game kansas city yeah, you don't right. need any rest you hung 44 on the niners you don't need the buy <laughs> but that's for another day all right guys we haven't played the texans this season so far so uh, let's spotlight somebody that maybe the average titans fan doesn't know by heart or isn't a household name who's somebody you're looking for and looking at the impact they might make against us sunday start with you big fella so one guy that we've had an eye on, you know, at least uh, the three of us and, you know, listeners of the show may have heard us mention him before. Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. He is a rookie. He's playing left guard. He started. He's done pretty decent all season. He's a really big dude. He's a mauler. I remember watching his tape and he just moves guys all over the field. So, yeah, I mean, they picked him 15th yeah. big fellow for a guard. And I know guards go higher now, but do you do you think that's paid off for them so far? I know we're only six games in, but I mean, that... That was early for him to go, but I know we all really liked him, as you said. I mean, I think it's paid off. Look at, like we talked about Damian Pierce. Look how he's running the ball. And it's unlike Derrick Henry, where he's not getting hit in the backfield. So between Kenyon Green and Titus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, they've got some decent talent on the offensive line something that i mean their offensive line right now looks like a dream uh, i would take any one of their offensive linemen over the likes of aaron brewer dennis daly or dylan radens i don't love their interior offensive line i know green has has struggled but he's he's got potential well i've got two because one of them just had his 21 day activation window opened up this week tavier thomas who is there nickelback he's been out pretty much all year but last year he was underrated underratedly really solid on a bad team and just we have so few weapons and just any 
good cornerback that can just make our passing game even weaker stands out. And then, Big Fella, you mentioned Titus Howard. They did him a disservice because they drafted him really early. They drafted him in the first round. They tried him at tackle. It didn't work. They moved him at guard, and he's been really bad. Then he had to play tackle some last year because Tunzel got hurt, and he, looks, and he looked really good. Then this year, he's played right tackle, and he's been pretty solid. So they, mm-hmm. in a year where just so many teams have no one at tackle, they have two above-average ones, and Tunzel has been playing at a really high level. So if we were to miss Simmons, I would be a little worried about the fact that we can't really count on pass rush off the edge to compensate for that. There's no way the Texans move Tunsil, right? I don't know why. And I think it comes back to the fact that they invested so much in him those years ago. Man. But he is, pro football focus has him as the fourth best tackle in this league. I mean, you know, they're... Not right. only that, but he also has like a $35 million cap hit because of how badly Bill O'Brien mismanaged yeah. the whole thing. So, And if you want if, Mills to develop, don't take away their left tackle. That would be... And just yeah. what would they, what could they trade him for that's worth it? Because you can't find good offensive linemen. You have a really good one in his prime at a premium position. You just keep him. Like, at least with Jerry Hughes, it's like, oh, he's old. It was a one-year rental... Right. Like you can Well that's different. Can, yeah, he was And you he, can find defensive linemen. You can scheme around that. You can't scheme around an offensive line. You can't just rotate offensive linemen and make them play just as right. well as you can do on the defensive end. And oh, I Larry agree. Tunsil I'm just saying still it, yeah. is just twenty eight years old and he's so you elite left tackles can play at a high level until thirty five. We've seen that consistently. I, I don't think he gets moved. But again, this is the Houston Texans we're talking about. Right. I don't think anything's off the table. If his if his dead cap weren't thirty five, then maybe there's an outside chance. Yeah, but because even, somebody some desperate team would give a fir- their first round pick for him. Oh, I mean, maybe yes. oh, because oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, like you said, everybody's left tackle stinks this year. Except for like six teams, it's crazy. I've heard a lot of talk this week about how just overall in the NFL, I just think the product isn't good. We love the NFL; it's still really fun. Quarterback play is not good. So many injuries. I do feel like overall, just the competitiveness and level play, and it could be just that all the teams and the talent is kind of more spread out than usual. Man, we've watched a lot of bad games so far. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady has come out and said that everybody's playing terrible football. It's not not the football that we've grown accustomed to, and it's a a watered-down product. Players aren't playing as sharp, and there are so many penalties to protect the quarterback, which, I mean, whatever, rightfully so, I guess. It, but just like you know, DPI, it's so hard to actually physically play corner and receiver these days that you just see these pass happy teams that can chuck it all over the field. I mean, during our game, Landon most of the day was like, Oh, we, I hope they show some highlights of Burrow because he's gonna break the record for single single game passing yards. I mean, that doesn't happen with with uh, without yeah. some changes to the game, <laughs> yeah. In the stands, Landon was basically saying over and over, uh. Today, football stinks except for Burrow. Everybody sucks today except for Joe Burrow. Yeah, this whole year has just been a massive regression on often on, in terms of the offense that we've been seeing just grow and grow and grow over the past couple of years. Because the COVID year was the highest scoring year ever because no crowds. The officials let a lot more offensive holding go. Last year was still really high. And this year, it's come crashing back down to earth, and there's really no apparent reason why. I mean, like you can look at the Bucks; They lost three interior stars in the offensive line. That makes sense. But you look around the league, so many teams that had good quarterbacks and good offenses that haven't seen a major injury or change in philosophy have just cratered. It's so strange. And there's been a lot of talk about how teams have defensive coaching has trended back towards the cover two, cover four, safe defense that makes offensives just dink and duck down the field instead of the cover one, cover three that was 
super popular in the mid in the middle of the last decade. And like you saw, you see this with the Bengals and Burrow and Chase. They're not getting that one big play touchdown down the sideline every game because defenses are happy to let Burrow just dink and dunk and have to make 10 plays to score. And so many teams are kind of being exposed, I guess, to where they can't consistently chain together drives like that. And offense is down. I mean, before last week, fantasy scoring, which isn't the which isn't a direct corollary to how good offenses are, fantasy scoring was down 22% from last year. So this year's offenses have only been 80% as good. We all know how bad the offensive line situation is. Defenses are getting better and better. And it's so weird because in the past couple of years, it feels like, yes, the teams at the top had an elite quarterback, but you can make do with a second tier guy and even a third tier guy if things break right. Now this year, it's you're either the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, you have a tier one quarterback in a good offense situation, or you're the Eagles, who have the best offensive line in football, an elite set of weapons at every single position, and a quarterback who's playing really well. And then there's everyone else. I'm interested That's to see really sad, because you just mentioned four teams and there are 32, but I think you're dead right. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how the playoffs shape up, because right now, I don't want to say, oh, all the teams suck, but it's really like, there's a very obvious top four, really top three, the, the Bengals creeping up towards that. And then there's just a massive drop-off, because the offensive talent is so lackluster everywhere else, that's just so hard to keep up. Like Big Fella mentioned the Niners-Chiefs game. It doesn't matter how good your defense is, if the other side is just that good. And then if you don't have the offense to keep up what can you do like it it feels and we all obviously anything can happen in the next couple months one injury can shift the entire fate of who wins the super bowl right now it feels like in the afc the chiefs and the bills are set up to pretty much slaughter anyone that isn't isn't the bengals and then one of them will lose to the other and the NFC is a total joke. Like, the NFC is the Eagles cakewalking their way through. <laughs> Dallas might be something, yeah. but Dak and that offense haven't looked great. And then it's just a bunch of bad teams. Like the Seahawks are leading the NFC West. You're trying to talk yourself into San Francisco at third, and that tells you all you need to know. Because yeah. there's 16 like, teams in that divi- division, and there's one really good team right now. Dallas gets an incomplete, and the other 14 have not showed me anything. Yeah, I don't want to slander New York because they're a legit 6-1. They have a chance at sure. being 7-1 after this week. But, but when your biggest star is a 45-year-old coach on the sideline, that tells you yeah. that they don't yeah, but, have high-flying people. they got a long ways to go. Yeah, they're 6-1. and one. Their, their leading receiver has 190 yards. Like, it's really fun to watch, and I'm happy for them, but it's not sustainable long-term. And, like, looking at the Eagles' schedule, it's really hard to go undefeated, but, I mean, you just look at who they have left to play after what they did to Dallas. Like, 15-2 and outside shot at 17-0 isn't off the table because their schedule is really, really soft. Yeah. And some of their hardest games they've already played, like the Vikings and the Cowboys, and they just dominated them. And it speaks just how bad the NFC is. Like, the NFC South is a total joke. The NFC North outside of the Vikings is a total joke. The NFC West is just a bunch of parody. Then the NFC East is by far the best division in football. It's so strange. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting in- to think about how for 50 years, only two teams have gone undefeated in, in the regular season. Big fella, can you imagine how obnoxious Philadelphia fans would be if they could be oh, the third? It'd be terrible. It'd be the worst. All my cousins, my friends, everybody back home, I'll never hear the end of it. Like, my cousin Adam, he's probably the worst. They just added Robert Quinn, which is a luxury on top of a luxury. Like he's oh pretty, boy. he's a designated pass rusher for them now. It's yeah, unreal. The NFC East has been a punching bag, and they they have three good teams. What I mentioned earlier, the whole Robert Quinn deal, they give up a four, right? So the, it's like, oh well, that's 
fine, fair compensation. They're probably paying a lot for him. No, Howie cooked up some sort of crazy deal where they're paying $700,000 for Robert Quinn for the rest of this year, which is chump change. I mean, for a starting edge rusher, like... How did that happen? Yeah, it's I just so don't strange get. because all offseason, there was talk about moving Quinn and the talking price was a day two pick. Like I heard as high as a second rounder because he was coming off 18 and a half sacks. And he looked awesome. Then this year, he's been slow to start, but I think he's the highest. He's he's the most double teamed edge rusher in the NFL, and he's still looking pretty solid. And that's on the Bears who have no one else around him. And now he's going to the Eagles who have the most insane stacked defensive line I can ever remember. They don't have that one superstar talent but you just look top to bottom like their eighth guy is a starter hmm. caliber player. well when they won their super bowl they were just like that too they were just yep. they could come at you with like six or seven good pass rushers so they're gearing up for sure they smell blood and they're gonna they're gonna pad this is their year to to make it happen and i like to see them going all in and i see why because i think they're the only obviously just no question good team in the nfc and they're going to try to try to lock up everything they can oh guys speaking of that what else um around the nfl has you interested our game is at 305 interesting afternoon game so we get to uh watch this early slate what has you most interested outside of our game sunday there are some interesting matchups around the league i don't care if you know what the teams look like that patriots jets game always has a lot of intrigue no matter what i mean based on what we saw on monday night (laughs) with the botched patriots quarterback situation it sounds like we're gonna get mac jones again but bailey zappy shows a lot more energy and zip for that team so it'll be interesting to see how they mesh against a jets team who really has suffered a lot of crazy injuries lately they just lost Brees hall for the year they lost elijah vera tucker for the year and he was playing all pro level football on the offensive line so that's really going to hurt them they just made a a trade for james robinson so there's a lot of intrigue there and a lot of things that could happen. You know, the Jets come in at five and two, which I didn't know we were able to say that they had that good of a record in the regular season. So that'll be an interesting game. Yeah, New York football is in this year. They're both yeah. punching way above yeah. their weight. Both coaches are doing an awesome job. And it's good for the league. It's good to have these so. underdog teams come out of nowhere. And even though it isn't pretty, like the Giants having no receivers and the Jets. But we talked earlier, nobody's pretty this football. year. Three teams are pretty this year. So that's it. Yeah. Well, and just think the Giants don't have any receivers and they're six and one. And they could get Darius Tony back and you know, a lot of people are talking about Wondell Robinson, and they could make some noise later on in the year. And Danny Dimes is playing football. I didn't know he could. I mean, he's running no, the ball a lot, which is great. That's really yeah. surprising. Yeah, and the game that sticks out to me is, strangely, the only game this week between two teams with a winning record, and no one would have expected it. It's the Giants at the Seahawks. <laughs> the 6-1 and one New York football Giants at the NFC West leading 4-3 and three Seattle Seahawks. Cool. The NFC fifth seed and the third seed going at it. Two teams no one saw coming. Geno Smith has looked really fun to start. The Seahawks' defense has improved a lot from the start of the season when they're looking like they would be the worst in the league now they're just below average so can the giants keep up their magic can they be seven and one halfway through the year 
That'd be fun. Can the Seahawks think about ex- the year before, guys? All the teams that passed on Dayball. Every t- think about it. He he really should have become a coach two years ago. Yeah, he's what a he, reason he, he passed. He and I know coaches' stock can go down, but man, if he, they go seven to one, and I expect them to, um, because he looks and we saw it week one. The guy looks like the absolute real deal. Yeah, he should be the unanimous coach of the year right now. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, honestly, the only person to challenge him is probably Vrabel. Uh, maybe Sirianni. But uh, yeah, but nobody's yeah, making Danny Sirianni Dimes has... look like a. Nobody's making Danny Dimes look decent. So and Sirianni just has Landon. such an unbelievably loaded roster that yeah. I mean, look at it like obviously there's a one game dif- one win difference. They won't play each other until like week twelve because the schedule makers are being so weird this year. I mean, oh, you look at the difference terrible. in the roster. Yeah, you look at the difference in the rosters. They should not be a game apart. Finally, this week we actually have some good primetime games, at least on paper. Yeah, we've got well, Raven Bucks tomorrow night. Yeah, which should be fun. Then the Sunday night game is Packers Bills. It'll probably be a Bills blowout, but it'll at least still be a good game on one side of the football. And we'll get to see Aaron Rodgers fuming on the sidelines. I mean, I'm kind of, I, I am interested to watch that because there's been obviously a lot of talk about the Packers and how Rodgers slams his receivers publicly, and a lot of people don't really agree with that. But even in the worst of situations, I've never known Rodgers to kind of roll over and die. So I think they're going to give the Bills everything they've got. And I think McCarthy's last season, you yeah. might say that. But otherwise, yeah, he's he's like 15 for 16 of kind of finding a way to bounce back and make them relevant by the end of the season. You're right. Yeah. And then the last game is Bengals at Browns. We all hate That's interesting Browns. just to see if maybe the Browns can go to two and six because I think the count is if Cleveland can be really bad, that'll ruin whatever they think Deshaun Watson's going to do when he comes back, right? I think that's going to be the narrative for fans like us. Yeah. I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, we want Cleveland to be as bad as possible, even mm-hmm. if it helps the Texans. Because I want to see Cleveland, I want to see Cleveland trade yeah, away I as don't many even high care. picks as possible. Because I think more highly of Texan for basically not letting them play and kicking them out. So, and I know I don't want them to be juggernauts or anything, but yeah, I don't care. I, I don't, I don't want them to win. Yeah. So on paper, this week looks a whole lot better than last week. I overheard yeah. someone coming up to the going into the stadium that this is the worst slate of football they'd ever seen, like the noon afternoon slate. And honestly, I can't really blame them. Yeah, like we it wasn't like we pretty. Were, we missed a lot of the games because we were at the game, but even just box score watching it all looked really gross like <laughs> lion like lions cowboys was ex- expected to be like oh it should be a decent back and forth game offensively nothing happened on offense it was just the the dallas defense which is unbelievable just kicking the crap out of the lions who are banged up on offense well and the bucks scored three three points against the McCaffreyless Panthers like man he was what tom was so furious tom Brady was <sighs> so furious yeah i listened I listened to his um, radio spot on SiriusXM, the Let's Go mm-hmm. podcast, and yeah. he was a little more fired up than he usually is. But, I mean, and Brady's been weird. Like, you know, he went to Robert Kraft's wedding, like, in the middle yeah. of the week, and then he had those couple weeks off. And I think he's going through a lot of personal stuff, and I, I kind of hate that for, for him, sure. Because he's oh, a for person, sure. but um, he doesn't look like he's in the right mindset, and and that team doesn't look, especially from an offensive line perspective, it's just not a good situation. That's a guy more so than Brady that I think I, I bet he'll figure out something, especially since there's not an obvious third best team in the NFC. I, I might give it to them because I just assume they're going to find a way to figure it out. Brady unretired after they re-signed Ryan Jensen, or was it the other way around? So, I mean, Br- Brady was coming back with an expectation that he still had a very decent line. 
and that kind of fell away like like sand going through your fingers. Yeah, I mean, with injuries and poor play. Yeah, yeah. This weekend's going to be, uh, I, I think, a better slate. I, what if Chicago could find a way uh, to beat Dallas um, at home? Uh, sorry, well, Jackson. And then they would be four <laughs> and four after giving away uh, one of their best uh, defensive players. And on top of that, uh, Green Bay. What if they get beat? I hope by by Buffalo. That's gonna. That's going to make the NFC North really intriguing and funny. I'm one of those people that kind of root against Green Bay now. I'm just kind of over him. And what if Washington, who's looked a lot better since we beat them, what if they win in Indy? I I don't know what's going to happen with Indianapolis, but I think they're a train wreck waiting to happen. I, of course, love that. So I think we're getting further enough along in the season. We're seeing a lot of intrigue, right? So although none of these offenses look good, now the kind of – what can happen as far as it's going to affect the rest of the season and affect us. I think that that's interesting in and of itself because, well, think, you know, the only people that you circle in the calendar now that Brady isn't playing well, Rogers isn't playing well, you circle Burrow and Allen and Mahomes and then dot, 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 right? I mean, and that is the reality of the NFL to this point and this point in the season. Well, I think with those two teams you've mentioned with the commanders and the bears, you know, the big changes are at the quarterback position. We saw on Monday, Justin Fields looked like the guy they hoped they drafted in because they're playing to his strengths finally. They were designed quarterback runs, kind of like you know we've seen Buffalo do, and like we see um, Lamar Jackson do in, in Baltimore and Philly. They're designed quarterback runs, and that's where he was successful. And then you know he didn't throw for a million yards, but he was efficient and accurate, and that's what you need. You need a guy, a guy like that to get confidence. Yeah. And then You're with right. the Commanders, mm-hmm. Heineke, he's playing like a man, like without anything I to lose. I always thought he was the guy that nothing. needed the chance anyway, because I thought he played with some guns last season. Yeah. But I should add to my list, I always want to see Lamar and what he's going to do. And, and, and Jalen Hurts has, has been really fun this season. So they're, But that's five guys out of 32. But. Sure. And speaking of Washington Indy, I'm actually rooting for the Colts this week. How so? <laughs> Because I want them to be as middling as possible. Like, if they could go 7, 9, 1, and we finish ahead of them, that would be perfect. Because they are going to draft a <laughs> You don't want them to get season. a good draft pick. Yeah, or, they'll blow it. I think we're going to look back on them, and we're gonna, they're going to be seen for what they were, really, when they had Peyton, and they hid behind him, and they made Luck retire at age 29. Because they stink as a franchise. They do, and they have gotten really lucky by being really bad at the right time. And if you watch them and you see them, they, they're they making Frank Reich look like a terrible coach. He's not a terrible coach. There's something bad wrong with that organization. I obviously love it. But they're, they're going to keep screwing up. I, I think that they are hiding behind just a few players. I really think that. And they mid-season to do that for contractual reasons. Are you kidding me? They <laughs> are 500. That is a joke. Everybody on that team knows why they're doing it. They're doing that for money reasons. There's no other team in the NFL that would do that right now. They're three, three, and one in the most winnable division in football. I think so. What is that telling to every? What is that telling to DeForest Bus to DeForest Buckner and Shaq Leonard and all those guys? Yeah, come back and come back from injury because we're gonna. We don't care about you. That that place is a joke. I feel like that. I feel like that's more stealthing. Obviously, there's a money angle, but. They got swept by us. They went one and one against the Jags. One of them required a last second victory. They had to have a 17 point comeback to tie the Texans. They can't win in this division. They're not going to, they wouldn't be able to make up that ground. I disagree. There's 11 things going in their 500, and there's no obvious third team. I I would, if it were us, I'd want to keep trying to win. And yes, Matt Ryan's. It stinks, and he's he wasn't going to solve their problems. We all knew that when they were claiming that. 
They have to blame somebody every week because they have such poor leadership, I guess, at the top. They always have to have a scapegoat. It's the kicker. It's Carson Wentz. And now it's Matt Ryan. It's like maybe it's just how you guys are going about business through the week. Yeah. I'm sure Because that is a joke. Yeah, I'm sure they would never say it, but they don't want to win to finish off the year because you just think about their long-term Clearly. outlook, which is nothing. They want to be bad. They want to get a good quarterback. Yeah. There is nothing in it for them to fight and claw and maybe – Still the division from us, only to get annihilated in the playoffs, and they well, have the 18th pick. This they ain't won. basketball, and I, I don't like that because uh, you can get something out of, the, of a bad season by fighting and clawing. We went eight and eight before we went to a Super Bowl, and I I know that yeah, you want to try to get you know this guy or that guy if you're going to be top five, but you can't guarantee that they already have three wins. Yeah, but I that's, think that that's not how football works. I think that that's how that I think that's how they think football works because they've got the number one pick and they've gotten two unlucky all-time great players. But I think that's how they think about it. But in the long run, it's never really helped them. They have one Super Bowl to show with all that, um, with having one of the greatest players ever. And I think it's just I, the more I think about them and the more I see what they do, I just think they have no clue. Yep. Well, the difference with that 2016 it our 2016 team was, is that we were super young and on the upswing. Like, Mariota was his second year. The roster outside of a couple of veterans were, like, all young guys. This Colts team, even though they haven't really paid any outside free agents, it's, like, it's on the hard downswing. It's, not, it's just been a fast, hard decline ever since Andrew Luck retired. Or what was a slow decline at first because they signed Phillip Rivers, and he was okay, and he just delayed the inevitable year. But they're trending down. Like, they don't have a ton of cap space because they didn't pay anyone when they had two all-pros and an above-average right tackle on rookie deals because they had to save all their money for no reason. Their offensive line, which is the most expensive in the NFL, is a joke right now. They have no quarterback. Their defense is the only thing holding this this trash fire of a team together, and they, they need to reload and... The best way to reload is by having a higher pick and getting a better chance at a prospect. There's no better way to end this show than by trashing the Indianapolis Colts in a week <laughs> when we're not playing them. So yep. I want to thank Landon and John for being uh, with me tonight. This is Tennessee Titans Talk. Follow us. Share this with somebody. We love doing this. We love getting you ready for Sundays. Guys, remember, it's 3.05, so enjoy Red Zone until then, and I hope everybody has a great rest of the week. For Landon and John, I'm Nathan. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.